Section 9 of Fantasy, Fairies, and Ghosts by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Carasoin, Chapter 5 The Moss Vineyard. Colin did not need a hint more, but was out at the smithy in a moment. He turned, however, to ask the way. There was nothing in sight but a great heap of peats which had been dug out of the moss and was standing there to dry. Could he be on stone-starved moss already? The sun was just setting. He would look out for the highest point at once, so he kept climbing, and at last reached a spot whence he could see all round him for a long way. Surely that must be Cumberbone Crag looking down on him, and there at his feet lay one of Jenny's eggs, as bright as silver, and there was a little path trodden and scratched by Jenny's feet, enclosing a circle just the size the smith told him to make. He set to work at once, ate Jenny's egg, and then dug the trench. Those three days were the happiest he had ever known, for he understood everything he did himself, and all that everything was doing round about him. He saw what the rushes were, and why the blossom came out at the side, and why it was russet-coloured, and why the pitch was white and the skin green. And he said to himself, If I were a rush now, that's just how I should make a point of growing. And he knew how the heather felt with its cold roots, and its head of purple bells, and the wise-looking cotton grass, which the old woman called her sheep, and the white beard of which she spun into thread and he knew what she spun it for, namely, to weave it into lovely white cloth, of which to make nightgowns for all the good people that were like to die. For one, with one of these nightgowns upon him, never died, but was laid in a beautiful white bed, and the door was closed upon him, and no noise came near him. And he lay there, dreaming lovely cool dreams, till the world was turned round, and was ready for him to get up again and do something. He felt the wind playing with every blade of grass in his charmed circle. He felt the rays of heat shooting up from the hot flue beneath the moss. He knew the moment when the vine was going to break from the earth, and he felt the juices gathering and flowing from the roots into the grapes. And all the time he seemed at home, tending the cow or making his father's supper, or reading a fairy tale, as he sat waiting for him to come home. At length, the evening of the third day arrived. Colin squeezed the rich red grapes into his bottle, corked it, shouldered his spade, and turned homewards, guided by a peak which he knew in the distance. After walking all night in the moonlight, he came at length upon a place which he recognised, and so down upon the brook, which he followed home. He met his father going out with his sheep. Great was his delight to see Colin again, for he had been dreadfully anxious about him. Colin told him the whole story, and as at that time marvels were much easier to believe than they are now, Colin's father did not laugh at him, but went away to the hills thinking, while Colin went on to the cottage, where he found plenty to do having been nine days gone. 
he laid the bottle carefully away with his Sunday clothes, and set about everything just as usual. But though the fairy brook was running merrily as ever through the cottage, and although Colin watched late every night, and latest when the moon shone, no fairy fleet came glimmering and dancing in along the stream. Autumn was there at length, and cold fogs began to rise in the cottage, and so Colin turned the brook into its old course, and filled up the breaches in the walls and the channel along the floor, making all close against the blasts of winter. But he had never known such a weary winter before. He could not help constantly thinking how cold the little girl must be, and how she would be saying to herself, I wish Colin hadn't been so silly and lost me. End of section 9